Hello and welcome to Mash Mouth, the podcast covering every single episode of the hit 1970s sitcom, Mash. I'm Vanessa. And I'm Ethan. Ethan, so today's episode features a horse. Um, yes. And I wanted to ask you if you have any fun horse stories. <laughs> I, I believe it or not, I do. Um, so when I was very little, um, as I mentioned before in the show, I am disabled. I have uh, cerebral palsy. I don't know if I ever said specifically what I have. But when I was a young child, my parents were trying to figure out like different therapy methods for me because as a kid, it was really bad. Like I was really tight and uh, they had to figure it out. So uh, one thing that they tried was uh, equine therapy. Oh, wow. (laughs) So as a kid for a few months there, it did not last very long, but I was very little and I just remember like riding horses. And for some reason, that's therapy. I imagine that it strengthens your back, strengthens your like posture, maybe. But it's something I did for, I don't think that long. It was not a big part of my childhood, but it's something that I always like look back on and think about like when I was a little kid, the time that I like rode horses a lot. Um, And now as an adult, whenever I am in a more like kind of farm setting, like a barn setting, whenever I <laughs> smell the smell of multiple animals i'm like reminded of therapy oh Um, so like that's that's very specific for me and i don't know how many other people like have that sensation of like ah multiple animals smells like therapy (laughs) (laughs) that's so interesting you never told me that before that's so cool i haven't (laughs) no no yeah that's the first time i've ever heard that you did equine therapy that's amazing (laughs) i don't know how much it helped but it was a it was a time of my life that's so cool um i have really no fun horse stories like i've done when i was little like pony rides and horse rides and stuff like that my best friend through like middle school and i mean she's still one of my best friends today she was like horse girl so (laughs) whenever i went to her house it was just like a bunch of horse stuff and she rode horses up until literally like she was on the equestrian team in college so she was like horse girl um, there was one time I had like a pony ride and I like fell off the horse. And that's, <laughs> that, that's like basically my whole story. One time a horse like kicked me off too. Like not really. I didn't fall off. But um, yeah, the horse was just acting up and then just bucked. And oh, I man. was a child on the horse. I was very scared, <laughs> but did not stop me from loving horses. Um, this is no equine therapy story no but it was funny because it was just a a little kid getting bucked off a horse like that (laughs) (laughs) i didn't get hurt so it was kind of (laughs) funny i don't think i ever fell off the horse i think they're very good about being like very protective of these young disabled children (laughs) yeah that makes sense (laughs) that definitely makes sense i'm glad to hear about that i guess the i guess the pony rides in our town was just they didn't care as much. <laughs> well, you know, they, they weren't liable to hurt children with disabilities. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay. Well, speaking of horses, t- like I said, today's episode features a horse. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> so in this episode, dear Mildred, we wish Colonel Potter a very happy anniversary. Margaret and Frank have the bright idea of getting Colonel Potter a gift to celebrate the occasion. But meanwhile, Hawkeye, BJ, and Radar set out on a journey to rescue a horse. And yes, I mean a literal horse. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So, Ethan, what did you think about this episode? I like this one. I like this one's kind of slice of life vibe. I know that a lot of recent episodes also had 
more of a slice of life tone to it. But I liked that this specifically was about kind of getting to know Colonel Potter the man more so than Colonel Potter the commander. I feel like that's kind of been the focus of his characterization since we've got to know him was like, who is he in terms of like being an old school army guy? And this episode was kind of all about his like actual personality, like the kind of guy he is when he's not like in army mode. You know what I mean? Like I liked getting to know more about him. Yeah, I definitely agree. I like how we get the characterization of him, Colonel Potter, the man through this letter to his wife, uh, because Mm -hmm. it also is twofold. You get to know who Colonel Potter is a little bit more. Um, And then also you get to know that he loves his wife, which is just so sweet to me. I always I always love that. That's one of the aspects of the show that I think did get better as the seasons went on. Um, I think I've mentioned that before, but I did. I just thought it was just the whole episode was just really sweet. The stuff with Radar was really cute. Um, Even the stuff with Margaret and Frank was like well-meaning, if not like just silly. Yes, I thought that as well. With what you're saying about him and his wife, I liked that early on, well, this episode is all about him writing a letter to his wife, and we kind of hear his narration. It's not a vignette episode like the Dear Dad episodes are. This is kind of in real time, him writing the letter over the course of, I guess, a couple days, maybe. Mm -hmm. And one thing that I liked was that he was happy that his wife got her corn removed from her foot (laughs) that was just such a you know 20 long years of marriage but still love each other kind of thing where Mm -hmm. like yes they are getting older and maybe you know things aren't quite what they were uh when they were (laughs) young kids but they still deeply deeply love each other and he was just so happy and like was sad that he couldn't dance with her. I thought that was like oh very my gosh. sweet. Yes. Um, I guess to jump into the episode a little bit more, um, he Colonel Potter even explicitly says it too that he says to Radar, no matter what, like, I love my wife and uh he says he makes a reference to like having twenty seven long years with his wife, which amazing. Um when Radar says that he wants to get a car before he gets married, even Colonel Potter is like, yeah, that's a good idea, but also like you'll get a lot more out of having somebody <laughs> to like share your life with. It's it's yeah. just like a really sweet thing. Speaking of which, too, I wanted to mention Radar in this episode because I thought that he was great. Yes. And I was a little bit confused, honestly, with why he was acting so rigid around Colonel Potter in the very beginning scene of this episode. And it turns out that he was still a little bit on edge with Colonel Potter, which I didn't catch, I guess, at first, that that was the reason that he was Mm -hmm. so on edge, uh, because we had seen several like bonding episodes prior to this one. So it seemed like a little out of place, but it made sense in the context of the episode. What did you think about that? I thought that Gary Burgos performance for this entire episode was very good. This is like a very good portrayal of Radar. One reason why I took it as him being on edge was that a lot of their conversations in the beginning of this episode were about like romantic love and like Colonel Potter kind of treating him more as a grown up than like Henry or Mm -hmm. Hawkeye have in the past. So like those kinds of conversations make him like more uncomfortable because he's so used to um henry treating him kind of as a young son Mm -hmm. to have 
Colonel Potter be like, oh, you smoke? Are you interested in getting a wife? All these kind of mature things, I think, is what set him more on the uneasy path of, like, it being different, like it being mm-hmm. a fundamentally different relationship than he had with Henry. And like that is addressed later on in the episode. But I think once you kind of know that and go back to this first scene, the reason why he's so like uneasy is because it's just a different conversation than he would have had uh, Colonel Potter not been there. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. I think that um, when he's talking about his like feelings towards Colonel Potter too in the swamp later on, he mentions being like, it's like if you're staying at your aunt's house and it's like, okay, like this is a family member and they have this type of authority. And like, I'm kind like, I'm supposed to like them, but you know, it's just, it's just different. And I completely like understood what he was saying. Cause he was like a little bit, you're a little bit on edge when you're with family that you can't just be completely yourself around. Um, mm-hmm. so that make I really liked that like analogy that radar used. It was it was pretty cute. Um, it was such like a kid thing too. Um, but it it made a lot of sense why he felt that way. And one thing that I noted in the episode that I thought was pretty interesting too was that Hawkeye and BJ kind of have settled in with Colonel Potter more so than Radar has, and it makes sense because I feel like the doctors are kind of working closer with each other. They like are getting to know each other through their work and and whatnot. And it makes sense that radar is still a little bit uneasy because radar really is in more of like a subordinate position than uh, Hawkeye. And I keep wanting to say Trapper. It's so funny. Yes, I know. (laughs) Then Hawkeye and BJ are. Um, So uh, like I said, it, it just makes sense. And I liked that they kind of included that in the writing of this episode, too. Yeah, I think the dynamics in this is really interesting and really well done because, you know, Hawkeye and BJ being so like, come on, man, it's okay. Like, Colonel Potter's a good dude does mean that he is a good dude. Like, Mm -hmm. them liking him obviously means that he is more on the up and up than any other replacement officer could be. Like, just give it time. Everybody will grow to like him. Um, but what you're saying about the analogy, the analogy is also like perfect that like radar is still like a kid, right? Like his relationships up to this point before joining the army were like his parents and extended family and like teachers at school. Mm -hmm. So having to deal with like in a professional setting, granted after like a tragedy, right? But in a professional setting, having to, to switch gears with a new boss I thought was like a great reminder that he is a kid and is just kind of unused to the adult world that like people in your life do leave and get replaced by other people and you just kind of have to learn to deal with those kind of new dynamics you know that that new relationship within again a professional context not purely friendship context. Yes, I definitely agree. I think that anytime Radar is kind of showing his age, not immaturity, but just like his his young age, I think that, that, that always does it for me. Yeah. So I wanted to talk a little bit more about these little snippets that we get of Colonel Potter kind of narrating this uh narrating this letter that he's writing to his wife because i thought that in terms of like generation wise i found it very interesting because i was wondering if 
when you're writing letters like this to somebody who is not going to read them for a while, if you narrate the things that you're doing, like right. when he was saying like, oh, sorry to interrupt or, oh, I'm back, like stuff like that. I don't know. I Obviously, some of it was for storytelling purposes of the episode, like moving the episode along. Yeah. But I'm just always really curious as to like what letters were like when that was your main form of communication with loved ones that like back true. home. You know, I'm, I'm I that's just something that I just don't have any point of reference to, because even my parents like they picked up and called people on the phone. They didn't write yeah. letters all that much. Um. So yeah, I, I'm. I'm always just really curious about that. Yeah, this is something that stood out to me too. That he was kind of explicitly narrating the different things happening around him. That like in the beginning, when uh, Frank and Margaret come into the room for reasons we'll talk about later, uh, he stops writing his letter, but he writes, "Um, someone's at the door now, dear." Which I I kind of took as like just TV show logic mm-hmm. of like ah. Uh, we have to have him like consciously address this and like reading that as a letter for me, I would be like, that's kind of weird. Like if I read an email being like, oh, wait a second, there's someone at the door. <laughs> and then the next paragraph is I'm back. Like you didn't have to include that, you know? Uh, right. But maybe that was the style. Cause I feel like I've seen that in other things. Like I feel like mm-hmm. I've seen like movies about like the revolutionary war being like, George Washington writes to his wife being like, oh, I'll be right back. You know, kind of doing that style of narration. We should really right. probably look into that. If a uh, good old, you know, whoever wrote to their their spouses in <laughs> real time. That's the thing is like, I just don't, I don't know if you can really look into that. And especially like what you were saying too, if like you wouldn't pause in like an email or a text message now. Um, mm-hmm. But the dynamic of letter writing and that relationship that you it's are writing very a different. letter. Right, exactly. It's super different than anything that we really have today. So, yeah. So, I mean, if anybody has experienced letter writing, <laughs> mm-hmm. please let us know. But, yeah, it's ju- it just struck me as something that was really interesting that I hadn't really pondered before, I guess. But yeah. I also want to talk about uh, the scenes where he is writing the letters um, and kind of getting interrupted. I thought that they were very cute and also very telling about who Colonel Potter is as a character. <laughs> yeah, these were really cute and had a very different energy than like the dear dad letters that mm-hmm. this was kind of in real time being picked up and put down. And like I said, I liked um how he was talking about how, like, oh, I wish I could dance with you. Like, there was clearly <laughs> a sense that, like, he missed his wife. Yeah. But also, this is just something that is expected of them because he's a career army guy. They've mm-hmm. not spent a lot of anniversaries together. And I I, I like the, like, romanticism of it. Um, In comparison to other characters, you know, like, most other characters in the show we've had so far we're not fond of their spouses. Mm-hmm. Frank is actively cheating on his wife. Trapper was actively cheating on his wife. Um, Henry went back and forth between mm-hmm. loving his wife dearly and just, you know, not really thinking about her. So it is nice to have this contrast of an older guy who's just deeply infatuated with his older wife. It's something that I really enjoyed um, and I hope to get more of. Yeah. And like I said, I I think that beyond that, too, beyond just like really 
you know, having this love for his wife, it also kind of tells you a little bit about what Colonel Potter finds value in telling her as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, One thing that I noted when I was watching the episode was Colonel Potter was saying how like, oh, there's something funny between Major Burns and Houlihan, but like, that's none of my business. But also this, I've noticed this, this and this. But hey, Mm -hmm. if people want to do what they want to do, that's none of my business. So like, he's a little bit of a gossip, like kind of a drama queen. He he wants to know the tea, but he's also not going to judge really. Like he's like, Mm -hmm. hey, that's none of my business, but also like, let me know what's going on. You know? Yeah. I thought that that was really cute. Yeah. Yeah, that kind of like, I don't really care, but also please let me know all the details. <laughs> I would love to hear them kind of thing going on was was so cute. And the way he described it of all the different things that like clearly <laughs> insinuates they have a physical relationship relationship going on. And then he's just like, but that's not like, I <laughs> that's can't neither make here nor there. Yeah, <laughs> it's funny. Um, The other little scene that uh, we got with. Colonel Potter writing to his wife was recounting this kind of experience uh, when they were watching a movie one time and mm-hmm. Father Mulcahy and a nurse got up to sing a little ditty and it was just so cute. <laughs> yeah, I like this uh, little ditty as you described it. <laughs> um, I like this part a lot because it didn't really have anything to do with the the like episode or plot. It was kind of padding, but it was like cute padding. Because, again, very big, like, slice of life vibes. Like, Mm -hmm. this is just something that, like, would happen in, like, a real camp, you know? And I Mm -hmm. liked um, this actress that they had come up and, like, sing. She had a very, like, distinct look. I don't know if this is, like, mean to say. I don't mean it in a mean way. But she, like, reminded me of, like, a Wes Anderson character. Like, she had that Mm -hmm. kind of look to her. Yeah. And it was just, like, nice because it was, like, oh, someone we don't know. Having a good time with uh, Father Mulcahy. I, yeah. I enjoyed it. It was really cute. I, I really liked how they included it in this episode. I also have to note when they, I think, I forget who it was. I think it was Hawkeye and BJ. They were calling it, Um, they were calling the movie a picture. And that mm-hmm. just always does it for me. Whenever <laughs> there is language that we no longer use in older media, I'm like, yeah. I love that. It reminds me of my grandparents a lot. And it's just, it's so cute. <laughs> Going to the pictures, seeing a Martin Scorsese picture. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, like it, it's stuff like that that just really makes me just <laughs> it almost makes me nostalgic for a time that I never really yeah. was in. <laughs> and I want to know what the movie was, too. I'm sure we can find that. Like they we can mentioned find it. On the it. Wiki. They mentioned it, but I don't know what it was. But I, I love whenever they show like footage from real movies. I'm like, oh, this puts it in a place, you know, puts it in a reality, which I, I always love seeing. I love seeing real things interact with fiction. Um, and that whole sequence with them watching movies was quite fun. Yes. And the movie that they were watching featured horses. And like yes. we said <laughs> several times, so does this episode. So let's get into I feel like one of the more major plot lines of this episode which is the horse rescue (laughs) this part was cool i i liked this that they hear of a horse that's like injured and they're gonna put it down and radar being such like an animal lover is like no no let's let's go get the horse let's make it better um again really great characterization for radar this episode the kind of different facets to him his kind of childish kind of naive nature is played really well 
and his animal-loving farm boy kind of mm-hmm. energy uh, works just really so well in this episode. I thought Gary Berghoff was great. And I love this uh, this horse rescue. Yes. Okay. So as soon as they mentioned the horse, that there was this horse, they were like, oh, I'm going to go put it down. And then Radar was like, oh, no, we have to save the horse. We have to save the horse. I knew. <laughs> I knew what was coming. <laughs> and I knew that it was the introduction of Sophie, even though they don't say it Ooh. in this episode. <laughs> I was going to ask you. I was going to ask you at the end if this horse comes back. I guess they do. Yes. Or I guess so, she does because there is a name for him. Yes. So spoilers. Sorry to jump the gun a little bit, but this is the introduction of the horse Sophie, even though they say she's a boy in this episode. But she's a girl. Anyway. um, (laughs) We've all made that mistake with our pets before. (laughs) Come on. Yes. So this was so much fun for me because I knew exactly where this was going as soon as they mentioned it. I knew it was coming up, but I didn't know exactly where it was in in this series. And I'm so I was actually kind of surprised that it happened so early on in Mm -hmm. like (laughs) it happened so early on in Colonel Potter's run of the show. So and I thought that in terms of the actual like getting the horse that was just pure comedy for me i loved this portion (laughs) of the episode where hawkeye bj and radar are just trying to lasso this horse and they just can't do it (laughs) yeah they're not like city boys right but they're not farm farm boys no (laughs) (laughs) i like this this rescue a lot anytime they actually use the helicopter go out of camp it's always like ooh, we have production value Mm -hmm. here and Having a real horse on your your sitcom coming from from me, who's watched a lot of like modern stuff, I'm like, ah, you would never have just like a real horse uh, in any show now. Like, I feel (laughs) like they they would just not do it. I feel like animal wrangling too expensive. And it's just so nice to see like an actual horse that they have Mm -hmm. to like figure out how to guide. Um, I, I really enjoyed that part of it from like a meta perspective. <laughs> yeah, I did too. And plus the horse that they used in this episode, beautiful. But mm-hmm. I was also so confused for so much of the episode too, like this part about the horse, because the guy who was coming and told them about the horse, I don't remember the exact like scenario, but he came and he said, oh, there's a horse up ahead and uh, she looks like she's hurt pretty badly. So I'm going to go put her down. And that's when Radar was like, can we please rescue her? (laughs) So, of course, Hawkeye and BJ are like, yeah, I guess so. Meanwhile, this horse is up and running. Oh, yeah. I was like, oh, okay, like maybe her leg was broken. I just like didn't remember. And but she was up and running. I was like, she can't be hurt that badly. And then (laughs) they end up, you know, lassoing the horse and they get it. And then they bring her back to camp and they say that she has just like shrapnel in like a part of Mm -hmm. her, you know, body. And I was like, you guys were really going to put a horse down for that? Really? Come on. (laughs) I was so angry. I mean, sometimes if you don't have anyone to take care of the horse, I guess uh, you're going to jump the gun a little bit. But uh, I'm glad that they did not uh, put down this horse. (laughs) Yes, me too. (laughs) Absolutely beautiful horse. Um. And once again, great display of radar, I think, here. Agree. That he just knows how to work with animals so well that he calms her, he like works with her, he brings her back. And Hawkeye makes a little comment being like, Oh, I wish I could do that to nurses. <laughs> I'm like, Oh, this is the power that radar has that like Hawkeye doesn't. That mm-hmm. uh you know, Hawkeye might be like good in a lot of ways, but but radar does have things that he can specifically do that, like, no one else in camp can. And I really enjoyed 
uh, the conversations they had about the horse, too, that, like, Radar wanted to keep it as a pet, obviously, and they were both like, oh, I don't know if we could do that, you know, you had a hamster, but it was a hamster, so, like, (laughs) there's a big difference there. Yeah. And again, big, like, kid energy, too, that he's, like, a young kid who, like, wants to keep the animal they found, (laughs) and I feel like everybody's had that conversation with their mom of, like, no, you cannot have this thing as a pet. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> just good kid vibes all around. <laughs> yes, definitely agree. I loved the portion of the episode where they have the horse back at camp and they are trying to get the shrapnel out of her. They, I keep referring to the horse as her because I know that she will be a her mm-hmm. eventually. Um, yes. <laughs> they keep trying to get the shrapnel out of the horse or like give her a sedative. Um, and then... <laughs> This very obviously fake horse leg just like bucks and breaks the tent wall. Oh, God. It's just so funny. I just I thought that this was just so like peak sitcom. It was was too much. Peak classic 70s comedy where you're like, all right, here's some some wacky slapstick humor. (laughs) Um, It works for me, though. Um, so moving on from this horse bit, like you said, we kind of leave it for now where Radar is worried that Colonel Potter is not going to let him keep the horse. Like they kind of have her in hiding at the moment. Um, mm-hmm. I want to talk about Frank and Margaret in this episode because of course, of course. <laughs> in the beginning, I was very confused because I did not remember what was happening because they traipsed into Colonel Potter's office and they said, oh, we want to take a picture of you. I was like, that's weird. <laughs> yeah. They were like being so weird about it. And then it actually was for like a very nice thing. They were trying to get him an anniversary present of like a, a carved bust of him. And I thought that that was like really nice. That, that was such a, like a sweet thing that they were doing. See, I'm so used to Frank and Margaret's antics being around like, disbarring Henry, like, trying to get him in trouble, Mm -hmm. that I thought they were taking a picture of him to, like, launch into, like, a blackmail conspiracy. Like, I (laughs) thought they were trying to to rid him and put Frank back into power, but I'm glad that it wasn't that. I'm glad they were, like, actually trying to be nice for once. It was, like, a nice side of them. Obviously, Mm -hmm. they do kind of bumble it in their own frank and margaret way you know there is that kind of selfishness to it still but i thought their whole thing that they were trying to do just in general with this episode was very like fun and cute but also still clearly in character for yes the the brown nosing kind of people that they are <laughs> yeah absolutely i really um like, it, it was so obnoxious when Frank was like, I'm not using my camera to take a picture of you, Radar, when mm-hmm. Radar asked him to. It was on brand for them, like you said, very yes. in character for them. Um, I also, like, hated <laughs> when they were trying to haggle with this poor vendor guy, um, like the mm-hmm. artist who was going to carve it. And Margaret was like, oh, he won't have respect for you if you don't haggle. It's just like, he's giving you a fair price. Like, stop being a bitch. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> he asked for, like, what, $6? Six dollars? Like, that is, even in 1952, $6, I, I guarantee you, was a pretty cheap uh, bust, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I would say so, since it's, like, a lot of work. Mm-hmm. And this is the return of actor Richard Lee Sung, who... Um, was actually in last season's Officer of the Day episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, so 
it's always fun to see him because he has this like just contagious smile um and it's it's so fun when he's in Mm -hmm. an episode uh but he was playing the artist like the carver person who was going to carve this bust and apparently that just didn't work out well for frank and margaret (laughs) see this was very relatable to me first of all as someone who like draws stuff i'm like ah when they unveil this bust, which we'll talk about more at the end, and they're kind of, like, frustrated at it not, like, looking like uh, Colonel Potter, I was just like, well, yeah, if I tried to carve a bust, I, it would not look uh, good either. So, like, what can you do? Like, you, you can only get so close. <laughs> but here's the thing, and we are, I think we'll talk about this now. Uh, Colonel Potter pulls the bust out of the box. And, of course, Frank and Margaret were being very Frank and Margaret about it. Like, oh, this, happy anniversary. This is just from us. Like, they had nothing to do with it. Like, okay, guys, like, let them sign their name to the card, okay? But then he pulls it out. And I thought it kind of looked like Colonel Potter. It was supposed yeah, it to not. Fine. <laughs> yeah, it was supposed to like not have looked like him. Like the artist was supposed to have. He was in the room at the time too, and they were like, "Oh, you made it look like yourself." And I really didn't think yeah. so. You know. <laughs> See, this is a little specific. Uh, go on our Instagram. Recently, I drew Colonel Potter, uh, just kind of for fun, and posted it up there. And that's what, like, it reminded me of, like, because my drawing did not really look like him. But, like, you know, I tried. I tried <laughs> to draw Colonel Potter's essence. You know, I felt like this wasn't quite the, the caricature that they were making it out to be. They said that it, like, looked like the, the artist who carved it. And, you know, maybe he was trying his best and just, just didn't, <laughs> like, fully work out. I related to this quite deeply, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. I just, I thought that it, like, looked as good as it could in could? like wood you know what For i, mean? I don't know dollar bust yeah <laughs> yeah right i don't know i think that they were being a little too harsh but colonel potter that's another thing too is that i loved this part of the episode because colonel potter was really appreciative of it no yeah. matter what like he liked it um and i thought that that was really sweet he was very much like happy and thankful for them Maybe he didn't love it if he paid for it himself. Right. But it had that, like, mom putting on, you know, <laughs> the drawing on the fridge energy. Like, right, I'm just right. happy that I was thought about and, like, you tried this kind of... Like, he's very good at that kind of, like we said, grandpa energy yes, of being just yes. a sweet guy. I was just going to say, very much grandpa energy of just, like, loving the things that your grandkids give you no matter yeah. what. But then, of course, like the big reveal at the end is that Radar also has a gift for Colonel Potter and it's the horse. And this is not very hard to see where this was going because Colonel Potter is obsessed with horses, as Mm -hmm. evidenced by all the pictures of horses in his office. So (laughs) I loved his reaction to this so much that he is just taken aback. Like he doesn't even say anything. Uh, right away. And at first, I was like, mm, is he like upset at this? But no, it's just that he is so overwhelmed by by mm-hmm. liking horses so much that he is like, my goodness, what a what a beautiful, beautiful thing. Yes. Uh, and which is just so, so nice. And I know that we're like kind of positive about Frank and Margaret's gift that like the bus didn't look that bad. But clearly it was like a brown nosing gesture of like, look at us. Look how much we respect you. We've carved you into a bust. Mm-hmm. Aren't you this this uh, like important man that we like respect? And 
Radar's gift to him is something that he just genuinely loves. Like, as an actual, yeah. like, person, he just loves horses. And I love that contrast that, like, the bust isn't bad, but it was, like, a superficial gift. Mm-hmm. And this is something, like, yes, it's for, like, Radar to take care of and also, like, love and whatnot. But it's something specifically, like, tailored to him as, like, a guy. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that hits it right on the head, basically, of just why Radar gave him the horse as a gift. Because he knew that he was really going to love it. And, of course, it was a little bit self-serving, I guess, because now Radar gets to also keep the horse. But he also knew that Colonel Potter specifically was going to really love this horse. Yeah. Um, I liked how this was kind of almost a callback to the beginning of the episode where Radar was a little bit more rigid around Colonel Potter because he just like couldn't bond with him in the way that he could bond with Henry. And now through their shared love of animals, they are kind of at that level. I would have liked to Mm -hmm. see it uh, be a little bit more explicit, but I thought that it was in general just like a really good um, tie-in. Like it tied the episode together very, very well. Yeah, it's uh, it was a good little bit of a character arc for Radar. There wasn't like a specific moment where he turned and like loves Colonel Potter now, but he's Mm -hmm. clearly like trying to extend the arm of like friendship and kind of go beyond the like professional kind of Mm -hmm. relationship that that maybe they had up to this point like kind of saying like I want to get to know you better as like a person Mm -hmm. is kind of how I took this as his gesture that he was thinking about his you know anniversary and trying to like do something for him which is just so nice and like you said maybe it could have been a little more explicit maybe there could have been a little more like of a concrete like I've evolved kind of moment Mm -hmm. but I like how this is maybe not the end of a, a character arc, but kind of the beginning of him learning to grow um, beyond his kind of trepidation about it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I thought that it was just very well-rounded end of the episode. And like you said before, Colonel Potter's being overcome with emotion about the horse was just such a sweet thing. Um yeah, I, I just, I didn't think that the episode could have ended any better. Yes. Ooh. Can't wait for you to give it a three out of five when we do our <laughs> martini rating. <laughs> but speaking of this horse, as we've mentioned, the horse will be named Sophie. Spoiler alert. But it's great because she is in the rest of the series as well. So you will be Exciting. seeing a lot of this horse and you, a lot of Colonel Potter with this horse. So. Like I said in the beginning, it's great to see it so early on um, because I just know that Sophie is like a fixture at the camp, you know? That's great. Essentially a new character uh, yeah, is introduced kinda. in this episode. And with the, the bust, I don't know if they bring that back, but with the horse and with the bust, I, I was just imagining uh, the bust in the background of Colonel Potter's office and the occasional horse pop up, maybe not every episode, I was like, oh, this is a great turning point. This is a great beginning of a new era of MASH. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I do think that the bust is on the set of Colonel Potter's office for like the so. remainder of the show. I'm pretty sure. I'll be looking in the background for it now. <laughs> yeah, that's like a great little background prop of like you go back to this episode and maybe you didn't see this one. And you're like, oh, why is there a bust of Colonel Potter? <laughs> and now, you know, you're like, oh, wait. That's where that comes from. I yeah. love that kind of sitcom. Like, ooh, that's where this this uh, symbol uh, that like means so much in the background comes from. 
I know that we've said this before, but I do love that that type of continuity that they don't ne- they didn't necessarily like need to do in shows that were from like the 70s and 80s when people weren't able to like pinpoint continuity errors as well as they can now. But mm-hmm. it is something that I feel like elevates the show and like shows a level of care that the writers yeah. take to develop these characters and include these things. Back before everything was on a wiki, uh, and it shows <laughs> that like people still cared about like the viewing experience mm-hmm. for people who who you know really paid attention. Yeah. So, Ethan, do you have any favorite lines from this episode? I do have a couple. Um, most of them came from Colonel Potter's uh, writing the letter to his wife, and one that I I just love is that you know he's describing the camp of being like, oh, I don't quite fit in here. I'm kind of the new kid. Uh, everyone else has been here for like a longer period of time. And he says, as your cousin Natalie said, and she's been quoted by so many, war is hell. Like that <laughs> is just such a great thing for him to write. Like, I love that. Like, that's such a great phrase. That's so funny that you mentioned that war is hell line, because there's a really famous, uh, you probably know it, you probably heard it before, but there's a really famous mash quote that talks about like war is hell, like that type of thing i won't i won't spoil it for you if you haven't heard it Mm -hmm. but um i feel like that was just like an interesting thing to include because it was almost like a callback to when we get to that episode it's almost like a callback to that um so it's funny that you mentioned that you really liked that line one of my favorites was (laughs) when hawkeye and bj were trying to lasso the horse (laughs) Mm -hmm. and (laughs) BJ accidentally lassoes Hawkeye instead of the horse. And Hawkeye says, give me that rope. And BJ just like very jokingly, very kid-like goes, it's still my turn. Yes. I liked his line about uh, lassoing his sister too. Yes. That was so funny. <laughs> um, And the other line that I noted down was when Hawkeye was trying to be really smooth by uh, lassoing the horse. And he goes, you have to make him think you're going to the bunkhouse for a cup of coffee. Just like sauntering up to the horse like he's not doing anything. And then the horse runs away and BJ with just like this shit eating grin on his face basically goes, he knows you're not going to the bunkhouse. <laughs> it was just The delivery was just so perfect. This is an episode where you can really feel that BJ and Hawkeye are kind of in sync together now that they are the unit. They're the buddies mm-hmm. now. Um, and they're kind of like not arguments with each other, but the way they play off each yeah. other is a very clear example of that. I really loved, um, I, we didn't mention it that much in our main discussion, but I really did love BJ in this episode as well, because he seems like there's an interaction with Frank that we didn't uh, discuss, but he just seems like he is very like laid back and doesn't take things too seriously. Like he's able to laugh at like ridiculous things like that and make jokes. And I thought that that was just very apparent in this episode and it, w- it made for a better episode. Yeah. So Vanessa, this was not a very like, guest star heavy episodes i'm curious of what kind of trivia we have uh in this episode of ours today i do have trivia it's not a lot but i think that you'll really like it okay okay (laughs) so i know you really liked the scene with father mulcahy and the nurse singing together and the nurse who was singing with him is actually william christopher's real life wife barbara christopher that's great. Isn't I that love crazy? that. <laughs> that's excellent. I was so happy when I found that out. I was like, wow, that's amazing. All right. All right. Tell me more. 
Okay, so um, this was a really quick part of the episode. So on the PA announcement, there's a reference to peace talks in Pemujam. And it says, like, after six weeks of negotiations, uh, the two sides agreed to, like, the the height of a flagpole. And it was supposed to be this, like, funny ha-ha about uh, just bureaucracy and how yeah. the peace talks were really slow. So I did a little bit of research on the peace talks. So this was a reference to the negotiations for the Korean Armistice Agreement which would eventually be the ceasefire agreement that ends the Korean War. So some background. By December of 1950, the U.S. was discussing terms for an agreement to end the Korean War. They were like, this has got to go. Once an agenda was set for the peace talks, the rest of the negotiations progressed really slowly. There was apparently really lengthy intervals between when the talks would happen, which is probably why the PA announcer made the joke that he did. The longest gap between the talks was from August 1951 to October 1951. The dispute lasted so long because the North Koreans claimed that the negotiation site, Kaesong, was intentionally bombed, which the U.S. denied. So after that, the U.S. refused to let the peace talks continue at Kaesong and chose Panmunjom as the new negotiation site, which is a village that was protected by both North Korean and United Nations powers. Okay. Some real-world politics injected in this episode. We love it, especially based off a joke about flagpoles. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was just uh, interesting that they kind of made this meta-commentary about the peace talks going on for a really long time and, like, no progress really being made, and that's actually what happened. So that was pretty mm-hmm. cool. Especially the Korean War goes on for so much longer than it does in real life. It's like, ooh, these peace talks are going to go on for a really long time in this <laughs> universe. <laughs> A super long time. (laughs) Okay, Ethan, what was your martini rating for this episode? You know, I don't think that I really liked this episode as much until we started talking about it. Now I kind of really appreciate this episode as like the the Colonel Potter character piece that is and like the radar character piece that is. It just has like very pleasant vibe. So I think I'm going to go 3.5 out of 5. Just a nice solid little episode maybe not anything like exceptional but definitely like solidly good you know what i mean yeah definitely i completely agree with you i'm at the same point um i originally had a three which you clocked me on um but (laughs) i definitely think that this is elevated for me to a 3.5 excellent we love to see it So, just to wrap up, we'd like to give thanks to Jacob Virabelko for being our technical consultant, Melissa, my sister, for cover art, and of course, our listeners. Thank you so much. Our music, social media, and contacts for the show are linked in the description, as always. And join us next week for Season 4, Episode 9, The Kids. But until then, watch out where you tiptoe through the tulips. (laughs) Goodbye, farewell, and amen. Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone.